Hello and welcome to our new podcast, The Drums TV Talks. I'm media editor, John McCarthy. And I'm TV reporter, Hannah Bowler. Each week, we'll sit down with the decision makers, media owners, ad tech execs, and producers shaping the future of TV to explain the role advertising has in funding the industry and re-establishing dominance as the best screen in the house. So we're going to be explaining TV advertising in simple-ish terms without the complicated jargon. We basically want to make the TV ad sector a piece of cake to understand. So thanks for joining our TV Talks. This week, I caught up with Roku's Christina Shepherd as the streamer kind of approaches its first in-person upfront event. It did a kind of light performance in the last couple of years, but this is its first real in-person, hyped-up, upfront presentation. And it's also the first year they've got a lot of their originals out. I don't know if you remember, but they did buy Quibi out last year. Do you remember that, John? Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a shame. That was a shame. Well, not for Roku, who have now capitalised on it, and they're going to be presenting on May uh, 2nd, I believe, their kind of first proper full original slate, which is quite exciting for them. So we kind of chatted through that, and we also kind of touched briefly on how she felt that, like, maybe this year was the first year that the gap would kind of close between the time spent watching streamers, but also the budgets that advertisers are willing to put into it, which, I don't know, I, I thought was quite interesting. I felt that we've been on that journey for ages, so um, to think that it might finally be closing. Yeah, and if Roku have their way, these upfronts will help secure more. Um, I know that the next time I have a cold or a bit of a... I'm a bit ill. I'll be sitting down to watch the, the Quibi originals um, because I did actually miss them the first time around, believe it or not. I feel like I've only seen one. Was it Cup of Joe? Joe Jonas? Why did I watch that one? There's also one about uh, Golden Hand, which was amazing. Was that directed by Sam Raimi? Anyway, there's Golden Them Hills uh, and Roku has it. Uh, yeah. Let's get on with the interview. Let's go. We're really excited because this is our very first in-person new front. So for you to know, the first time we debuted in the new front was in 2020. So that quickly turned virtual and it was since virtual, obviously in 2021 again. So really excited. This time will be in person. It'll take place for us on May 3rd um, at the Chelsea factory on West 26th street. So, and it'll also be a hybrid event. So we'll be bringing the experience of watching TV with Roku to life on stage in person, but also for people at home with a live stream opportunity as well. So if you can imagine what it's like to sit in front of your Roku TV with a remote control in hand, watching your television set, that's very much what it's going to feel like when you're in person. And so we want to bring that magic home as well. Um, and just, just out of interest, how did the first kind of ones go down? Like, uh, you said, obviously, it was virtual before, but how successful were your first kind of run at it? Yeah, I mean, very successful. I believe, and Sarah, keep me honest, but I think our first new front had, was it like the most amount of attendees of any other one? Um, yeah, <clears throat> we definitely had like record, you know, people attend virtually out of any of the other players in 2020. And then obviously 2021 was like a big, big year. And Christina, you can go into how we closed early. Yeah. So um, really exciting in terms of the event itself and, and attendance and all of that. And then if we look at kind of how they've been successful for us from a business perspective, I mean, as Sarah kind of hinted, so we obviously had our new front in 2021 and very shortly thereafter, we closed our upfront deals 
earliest that we've ever closed in record time. We closed with all the seven major holding companies. Um, and we saw a two X, uh, lift in terms of revenue. So the revenue that we got from the upfront doubled year over year and 40% of that revenue came from net new upfront advertisers, which was really exciting. Fantastic. It seems to me like uh, following TV for quite a few years now that the upfronts are kind of still this massive kind of like legacy part of linear broadcasting history. And and I'd love to get your take on on where you feel like streaming kind of fits in all of this and going into 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year, every year, I would say we're getting closer and closer to kind of closing that gap between time spent in TV streaming and budget spent in TV streaming. And it's a lot of what we're consistently throughout the year, educating clients on, on what is the right amount of money to be spending in TV streaming to capitalize on the opportunity and the viewership. So we use a lot of data to help inform what that looks like for each individual advertiser based on their linear television billings, um, their demographic um, target, et cetera. So And this year, really our number one goal is to make sure that TV streaming is really at the forefront of a client's media strategy, right? And so we're doing that by really kind of making sure it's a truly streaming first upfront. And so every year, how that manifests is a bit different. And I know if if it makes sense, I can walk you through now or we can kind of follow through with the questions of kind of how we're bringing that to life on an individual brand level. But, you know, again, it really comes down to helping to educate clients on the opportunity within TV streaming as it's just grown exponentially year over year and is starting to, in some demographics, actually eclipse that of linear television. I think when you're looking at that, you know, adult 18 to 34, or even really anything under 49, you know, that large cohort of cord cutters and spending way more time on TV streaming than that of our linear counterparts. Yeah, like you, you were talking earlier about um, kind of every year it's getting closer to closing the gap. Like what's the kind of timeline do you think for it to kind of finally be closed and there kind of be a switch off, not a switch off of linear say, but you know, everyone kind of then focused on the streaming and and then the linear is kind of dropped off in a way. Yeah. I mean, wow, that is this, that is the (laughs) million dollar question. (laughs) The million dollar question. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think we're getting closer and closer. I think even with COVID kind of the timeframe we might've been looking at pre COVID has been truncated based on how quickly viewership has accelerated, even in just the past two years. Um, You might've remembered last year, You know, in the press, there was a big call. Agencies were asking for brands to shift 20 to 30 percent of their linear television budgets into streaming. So we saw a massive uptick last year, as I mentioned, with even our revenues growing. Um, So I think we're going to continue to see that happen. I also just think the time spent in OTT is is ever growing every year, right? So what a brand should spend this year to right size might look very different than next year. I think we've also seen across the industry, a lot of channels move from subscription-based channels to advertising-based channels, right? Which is really exciting and just more direct-to-consumer streaming channels coming onto the platform, which is a bigger ad experience and ad opportunity for brands. So kind of the more... Um, success we see in the ad supported space, I think the the bigger the opportunity in streaming will grow and it'll only become a bigger part of the pie for brands. I think the thing about linear that we're seeing kind of, as I mentioned before, 
the fastest growing audience in linear is 60 plus. We're starting to see, you know, with a lot of data that the large majority of impressions served on linear are to a small minority of the audience, right? So frequency is super high, reach is declining. Um, and so therefore to get that net new incremental audience, the best place to find them, net new incremental and younger audience, right? The best place to find them is in TV streaming. You talked briefly on just that uh, that kind of measurement issue and, and the kind of dual measurement in terms of impression and reach. Uh, how, how, I mean, the, the US market is a lot further forward um, in this than in the UK, but where do you think your market is in kind of measuring these two kind of dual systems and bringing them together to kind of align them so it's not as complicated and messy, those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, measurement is, data and measurement are, you know, two of the pillars of Roku and have been since our ad business started about seven years ago. Um, so we really aim to make sure that every brand that works with us is their campaigns equipped with measurement to tell them what the reach and frequency output is so they can know that they're spending um, in the right way. And again, in most cases, they're underspending. So we have things, we have 20 measurement partners in our measurement partnership program. We have you know, a couple options in terms of measurement of reach and frequency. We have our own internal measurement suite called um, Roku Reach Insights, and I'll actually allow brands to use our ACR data, which is automatic content recognition. So essentially um, picking up on exposure data from the linear side of the house, right? Ads served on, on cable and broadcast networks and kind of comparing that to the reach and frequency they see on Roku and kind of allowing the calibration to see, um, the reach and frequency they're getting, the incremental reach they can and should be getting from Roku in addition to Linear. Um, and then another kind of new foray for us that'll be released second half of this year is through our partnership uh, with Nielsen that we announced last year, we're also going to be allowing for real-time reach and frequency measurement for all four screens. So think linear, streaming, desktop, mobile. So that'll put reach and frequency data in the hands of the brands to actually be able to recalibrate their buys, optimize their buys while they're live based on reach and frequency tools as well. So again, measurement is at the forefront to be able to really bring to light where advertisers need to be shifting their buys, not just annually in the upfront, but also in real time throughout the year. You were saying about kind of handing over control of a lot of that data to the brands. How much of an education are you having to give brands into a lot of this kind of, sometimes it's accused of being a bit jargonistic, the kind of, or the CCV and the addressable and all of these things. How much do you feel like in your brand relationships that everyone's kind of getting the complexities of the situation and, and a lot of that is being communicated in the correct kind of ways? Yeah, I know it does. I think we're aiming to make it really simple. I think to your point, I think over the years, we want to make sure that we are making it or removing as many barriers as possible for brands who are kind of moving over massive amounts of money from traditional television that they've been buying for 30, 40, 50 years into TV streaming. And so I think that's a good segue into, you know, the three main pillars for Roku this year in the upfront are very much akin to some degree of what brands are used to buying from linear, right? So at the forefront of our strategy this year, a lot of what you will hear in the new front is how we're really showing clients the power of starting their TV streaming up front with the Roku channel, which I'll talk about the Roku brand studio and one view, all of which I'll, I'll go deeper on. Um, 
And I think really kind of focusing on content first, which is how brands are used to buying in the upfront, right? What's, what's the hook of why they're coming to a given network or in this case, Roku and buying their inventory, buying originals and content upfront and exclusively. Um, and so, you know, with the Roku channel, just for you to know, and again, feel free to ask questions throughout, but we're going really big this year. So the Roku channels are own and operated channel on the platform. It launched in September of 2017. So it's coming up on five years old. Um, and so essentially that channel is, you know, becoming one of the top channels on the platform in terms of reach up against a lot of the big you know, massive guys that you can imagine. And we're going really big with original content. So we acquired Quibi last year and their slate of content. And we've since expanded upon that. So we have a robust slate of new shows that we'll soon be releasing and a lot more will be announced on stage at the new front. So, but just to give you kind of a teaser of what we've already shared, there'll be a new season of Die Hard 2 with Kevin Hart, Weird Al movie coming up uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe. And then Swimming with the Sharks, which actually just premiered at South by Southwest last week. So a lot of really exciting net new content. And this is, again, very similar to how brands are used to buying in the upfront. So it feels very you know, natural to them when they think about moving those, those budgets over to Roku. And then I think in the two areas, to your point of, one, we obviously want to make it impactful and meaningful for a brand to buy us up front. We also want to make sure that they're up leveling, you know, their expectations when they move that budget and they're taking advantage of all of the, the data, the measurement and the platform capabilities that Roku has to offer above and beyond what they can get from linear. So that's where we focus on things like our Roku brand studio. So this is where brands can go above and beyond the 30 second ad. They can create bespoke placements um, innovative ad units and they can take their messaging and kind of weave it into moments for their consumers, kind of meet them where they are in their viewership journey. And the best part is this is all kind of amplified with our data. And again, as I mentioned, our measurement to really bring it to life, to show brands, you know, that their, that their budgets are being spent and that they're hitting their, their main goals. Um, and then lastly, another way of kind of up-leveling what can be expected from their buys and their upfronts Roku is one view. So this is our ad platform built for TV buying, planning, and measurement. And again, a really huge component of this, as we were talking about, Hannah, is basically the ability to give reach and frequency, self-serve. Um, and what that means is basically real-time on-demand in the buyer's hands to be able to truly understand that their buys are being appropriately allocated by platform, Roku, TV, desktop, and mobile, et cetera. So, and our main focus of OneView this year more than ever will be on showing the brands that traditionally buy in the television upfront, how they can automate those upfronts. And we're looking to, again, remove barriers and make it really easy um, by offering TV first programmatic capabilities. So the first of which is dynamic linear ads, which you might've kind of rings a bell in terms of DAI, so dynamic ad insertion. So um, this is coming off the heels of our Nielsen AVA acquisition last year. And then this will allow brands to kind of increase their reach on Roku and make just more inventory targetable and measurable by allowing brands to replace national linear ads on some of the top major network inventory. And again, add targeting onto that, bring it into the measurement funnel, be able to see the full picture. And then lastly, in terms of one view, we're also, we have released 
DAR guarantees for the first time ever in a programmatic platform, which we very recently rolled out with AE and Dentsu as the buying partner. So these are the kind of things that we're talking to brands about. There's been a lot of talk of currency. It's kind of the legacy currency of television. So essentially, if a brand is buying off of a demo, adults 18 to 34, 18 to 49, that network, in this case, Roku, we would only charge the clients for an impression, excuse me, that were verified to be hitting that audience, right? So if there was an impression that was served, if you were buying off of adults 18 to 34, the impression was served to an adult 49, you would not be charged for that impression, right? So this is basically how brands want to buy because they want to buy off of in-demo reach. And so this has been a capability that we've had available for the past five years um, direct via direct IO workflow. We're now actually allowing that to be available in one view programmatically. Um, and so we recently rolled this out with A&E as the publishing partner, the first publishing partner, I should say, and then Dentsu as the first buying brand for that capability. Yeah, totally. It's quite an interesting um, proposition, I think. Um, but you say it's been available for a while. You just, it's the first is integrating into Roku One. Right. So this is the first time it's available in one view, which is the programmatic platform. So think the trade desk, think, you know, DV360. So never before has a brand been able to go in, buy programmatically, bring in other third-party deals, see it all in one place and transact all of that in a DAR guarantee that'll have an apples to apples currency to how they're buying in linear, right? So again, seeing the full picture and being able to really seamlessly move their dollars from one place to another is is a really big game changer because it's been somewhat of a barrier to date for upfronts shifting into programmatic platforms. Okay. Okay. No, that makes that makes sense. Just on the idea of the originals in the studios, is there crossover between those in terms of your originals kind of feature ad funded content? Will any of those be branded or they the studios sit completely independently to the originals in terms of uh, creating ads. I don't think I explained that very well. Um, But can brands kind of influence and pay for some of the original content um, and have an ad-funded partnership there? Or is that then separate to you guys helping them produce an ad? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say in most cases they're separate, but in some cases they can come together in a very simplistic way. So the Roku Brand Studio is more focused on... um, evergreen, always on content with a mix of ad innovation. So one thing as an example that I'll share is Roku recommends. So this is a Roku brand studio program. So it's a, um, available only on the Roku channel. It's a 15 minute weekly show that airs on Thursdays. It launched this last summer. So almost a year ago, and it's a really amazing show. It's hosted by Andrew Hawkins and Maria Menudos, who will, um, basically, you know, be talking about what are the best shows on the platform, right? Every week it'll talk about the five, you know, best shows that'll be available on any, um, channel on the platform. So think the Roku channel, think Disney plus Paramount plus Peacock, et cetera. I think it answers the question of, you know, what do I watch today? It can be very overwhelming in terms of choice on a platform like Roku. So, so this is a show that was birthed out of the Roku brand studio and brands can come in and actually sponsor the show, integrate into the show. For example, Walmart and Geico were two of the major sponsors. And within that, they can actually have 
you know, Maria and Andrew talking about, you know, the latest products available, right? Whether it's the holidays, whether it's a summer product, and they'll kind of integrate that into the show. So that's a really great opportunity for brands that comes out of the Roku brand studio. That's very, it's a very clever initiative because I feel like the, um, the kind of biggest like CX or UX kind of thing that's ever levied at uh, streaming is just discoverability. So like, right. Which oh. I feel as a user myself, so um, yeah. that's when I'm like texting your friends, like, what are you watching? You know, mm. like, give me some show uh, recommendations. So yeah, so it's really, it's really been an amazing development in the Roku channel um, for brands yeah, and for years. Um, so that's a really good example of how the brand studio comes to life. On the flip side, there's originals, and so if you think about like a, a movie like Weird Al. That is a Roku that is, you know, coming out of the Roku original slate. It's a movie that's going to be aired, but there are possibilities for brands to take advantage. Right. So do they do more experiential things, you know, going into the press and PR related to the movie and have brands integrated within? We've also, you know, talked about and that will kind of come out of the Roku brand studio arm a little bit. We also have things called um, theme cards that come out of the Roku brand studio that in some cases can have a flavor of a movie um, mixed with the brand. So, so there's kind of, you know, times in which they come together, right. Where brands can, can really sponsor the content in a, in a bigger way. There's also pause ads, which is another great example of if there's a Roku original movie. So take Die Hard one, someone's pausing that movie and there could be a pause ad brought to you by Coca-Cola, Charmin, et cetera, any sort of brand that would basically be, you know, sponsoring that pause experience for the consumer. So there's a lot of kind of interweavings of how they both come together that make for really interesting opportunities for brands. That's interesting. I've not heard of the pause um, ad before. Yeah, you want it to be as like immersive and organic. And that actually has kind of really served that purpose very well. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Um, Just to kind of wrap, I feel like the upfronts are just such a big kind of part, an annual part of uh, this TV industry and they get everyone quite excited. Um, And away from from your own kind of company, um, what are you kind of looking forward to this year if you're heading down in person? Um, as someone who's far away and won't get to experience it this year myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited. I mean, from a personal perspective to see people in person again, I think events have just started coming back South by Southwest. We just had a presence at, um, we'll be at Cannes this year. So again, I think just overarchingly being with the advertising community in person will be really exciting. Um, and then I think, you know, seeing what, you know, we're really excited because we're going to be having, you know, an immersive new front experience, first time in person. Um, we're hoping from Roku perspective, it, you know, only continues to further solidify us as the leader in TV streaming. I think we'll be seeing that from a lot of different sectors in terms of social or search and them coming at it from a different perspective and seeing everyone's different flavor of the new front. I think that's the one exciting thing about the new front is there's a wide variety of types of companies that get up on stage. And so it definitely is interesting to see kind of everyone, how they bring it to life and approach it. So I think for us, it's, you know, being immersive, solidifying, you know, our our lead in TV streaming. And again, as I mentioned, it's for us talking about the Roku channel, original content, the Roku brand studio innovation, one views TV first, you know, capabilities. And I'm sure everyone has what they hope everyone takes away from the new front. And I think for us, we really want our clients and and brand partners to, to kind of leave our upfront thinking that, 
TV strides with Roku. Love that. That was put perfectly. Um, Christina, thank you so much for jumping on the call with me. I really appreciate your insights. 